Welcome to Mod Pod, Museum of Dance podcast, where we explore why we dance. I'm Hilary Palanza, your host. With us today are Jessica Maria Recinos, Pedro Gomez, and Shireen Rahimi from Rising Rhythm, based in San Francisco, California. Rising Rhythm promotes body positivity, mental and physical health, healthy relationships, and multi-generational collaborations through education and performance. Rising Rhythm champions those in the community, specifically women, who have shown courage and resiliency, and those who fight against injustice and societal norms. Rising Rhythm choreographs upon the legends that come before, responding to community issues and stories, and laying the foundation for the future generation of thoughtful arts ambassadors. Their work is also about the importance of celebrating culture and finding joy. Rising Rhythm's forward-thinking vision includes opening a dance and music studio and hub in the Excelsior District of San Francisco, where artists can teach, create, and produce professional work and learn how to grow their own performing arts businesses and sustain them. Jessica, Pedro, and Shireen, I am so excited to invite our first trio. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Right on, Hill. We're here. (laughs) Tell us about where you're from and somewhat of your artistic practice, if you would, and your role in Rising Rhythm. And maybe we'll start with you, Jessica, and then you can pass it on to the next member. All right. Great. Hi, Hillary. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having us. Um, My name is Jessica Maria Recinos. Um, My family is from El Salvador, but I was born and raised in the Mission and Excelsior District of San Francisco. And I am a dancer, choreographer, costume designer, musician, and storyteller, as well as the founder and um, artistic director of Rising Rhythm. Super excited to be here. And I will pass it to Pedro. What's up, everyone? Yeah, my name is Pedro Gomez, AKA Pete, for those that know me in the streets. Um, uh, I am from San Francisco. I am, my family is originally from Mexico and I am a musician. I love to dance, producer music and an educator, a healer, a father, all of those, all of those beautiful things. I have been collaborating with Rising Rhythm. Now I feel like over the last few years, trying to be part of the creative process you know, bring my kind of like flavor and ideas of my cultural music background. And yeah, I started basically playing music coming from that, from that background of like in the community, in the streets, um, cultural music and dance and have kind of just taken that and let that inspire me to, you know, some more modern and kind of diverse uh, genres and just influences. So that's me. Hi, my name is Shirin Rahimi. I also go by Hype Kitty Shay. That's my stage name. I consider myself an honorary member of Rising Rhythm. <laughs> uh, Jessica is my sis. I've known her since I started voguing 10 plus years ago. So I was really excited to be brought onto this project. My role was to focus on the ballroom Vogue uh, choreography in collaboration with um, Jessica and development of this like Afro Vogue kind of piece. 
But to backtrack, my family is from Iran and I was born in Alabama, lived everywhere. <laughs> but um, the last eight, nine years I've been spending in New York, that is where I started, where I was introduced, not introduced, that's where I really like immersed myself in the ballroom culture. Uh, I was in a house, House of Mizrahi for 10 or eight years. And uh, we launched OTA Oakland, which is um, kind of considered the new Vogue nights of this generation. So there's like a weekly session where all the ballroom kids get together in Vogue. So I started that out here. I am a curator and uh, event producer, event curator, event producer, uh, dancer, choreographer, all around ballroom girl, (laughs) Bay Area ballroom girl. (laughs) Rising Rhythm is a community connector but also a preserver of culture. Can you tell us a little bit about the culture of Rising Rhythm, what its roots are, how it started, um, how you got together? Yeah, well, so I started Rising Rhythm about eight, going on eight years ago. Um, and it started out with four members, um, four adults that were just super hungry to dance and, and learn and really tell stories about our cultures. And so like we started doing a lot of different performance pieces and works around Pacific Islanders, different Afro-Caribbean stories and dances and putting it together with live music, which was something that was really important to me because I grew up in that culture in San Francisco of of taking it to the streets and having that live element there, it just kind of fueled me. And so I really wanted to incorporate that into Rising Rhythm. As we evolved, you know, we were doing shows around the Bay Area and then we welcomed our youth program into it, I would say in 2017. And so within that, it just became an intergenerational group where we're able to do something bigger than ourselves and being able to like pass down all of the joy and love that we found within the performance arts to the youth here in the Bay Area. And it's just been so fulfilling. And I think it's it's so amazing that like people like Pedro and, and Shireen are like able to collaborate with Rising Rhythm because it is ultimately a hub for everyone to just you know, get paid to have fun and do and do what we love and to just show these youth that, you know, you can do something with your art. You can reach a wider audience. And it's just so fulfilling to see that intergenerational relationship happen. Um, it's just hella fun. And I love it. And I'm just so excited to see Rising Rhythm grow specifically for this project that we worked on for Charlie Dances, that Mighty Real Beat. It was such a a fulfilling process to have like Pedro create the music um, and Shireen to just, you know, come in as like a ballroom ambassador and just get the kids together. So it was really, it's really amazing. Pete and Shireen, would you tell us a little bit about your work individually as artists and how you found Rising Rhythm? I've known Jessica for like half my life, but um, we started learning how to Vogue together, I want to say in 2008. And um, that is what ultimately was my segue to New York. Coming back from New York when Jessica asked me to be a part of this, like, I don't like to collab with just anybody. I feel like there's a lot of, especially because ballroom is so in the spotlight right now. It's not really, people don't really like want to connect with the culture and the foundation and really acknowledge the history and where it came from. And 
that's kind of why I don't really just teach a class and collab with people. But when Jessica asked me, I was like, undoubtedly, I'm going to definitely do this. Also, the concept of her piece with Rising Rhythm is the first of its kind. I want to commend her for doing that. It was an honor. It was it was honoring the ancestors during Dia de los Muertos, which again has has never been done. There was an altar with the um, pioneers. It really brought like national attention when we were posting it because it was a really beautiful performance, but also giving back and acknowledging how ballroom came about. So that's kind of how I got into this. But yeah, I've known Jessica half my life at this point, and was probably one of the most exciting pieces I've ever done in San Francisco. Pete, you've been, you've served on the the music side or you're servicing on the music side. Can you tell us a little bit about your relationship to Dance to Start and, and how that functions in your universe, how you found Jessica? Yeah, well, I mean, my relationship to dance, like my mom used to, you know, put on a record and like have me stand on her feet and dance in the living room and force me to just dance with her, you, you know, is part of just, yes. you know, I doing that. And it is an expression for me that, that goes back to my childhood. And so I started actually, I got into like performance arts at a young age, you know, in, in elementary school. And one of the first things I was doing was doing, you know, dance. And so I always, I think, you know, was always expressive in that way of like being artistic and wanting to be creative different opportunities kind of came about, whether it was theater, I was inspired by music, whether it was in school, but really a lot of it was just outside, kind of outside of school and in in the community format. So, you know, I grew up, like I said, in the Mission District, and I always say that whether you like it or not, the drum, you know, is kind of part of your DNA, whether we take it back to Carlos Santana and, and drumming and jamming in Dolores Park or just the, the, you know, San Francisco Carnival Parade that Afro, Latino, Caribbean and beyond just cultural music and dance. And so that was always a, a part of my childhood. I was introduced and met all freedom fighters and, and hippie, you know, and everything in between when I was younger, like just at the park jamming. And so the music for me, the drum specifically was pulled me in that way of like just oral tradition, you know, storytelling of like, we just, we get in a circle and we play and we sing and we dance. And so it was, it was another option rather than me running around, you know, getting into trouble in the streets. And so, yeah, I just followed that kind of path of like being creative and and being, um, just feeling empowered, right. To, to be an artist and to be weird and to be creative and, and, and do all those things. And so, you know, had the opportunity of growing up in, in different kind of performing cultural and arts organizations in San Francisco, in the Bay Area. It was really, uh, you know, in, in the mid nineties, like when cultural music and dance was just like thriving and it was like just on fire in the Bay Area. You know, I'd hop on the BART train to go to Oakland, to go to, you know, Malanga Center to take this class and then come back to the San Francisco to, to, you know, to Mission Culture Center, go on Berkeley and make sure I was, you know, hitting up the little cer- the ciphers and stuff. So we, Jessica and I met over five years, Jessica, you, I, I, I lose track, right? 10 years, maybe. And in, in, in that, in that same way of like in, uh, you know, local performance and cultural arts organizations. And she was a student of mine as a drummer, you know, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> so, you know, from student to just, again, giving, you know, Jessica props to see kind of her blossom and, and growing into just her own 
kind of like just leadership and, and really taking her vision and running with it. So now, you know, we're on that level of like being able to collaborate as peers and, and just work together. So, you know, we've been building, we've been doing like, you know, little shows and things like that, or like, hey, you know, I need some music for this piece. Yeah, let's do it. And and so this this whole uh, piece for Trolley Dances was just like another culminating in the experience of like all the work that we have done and to showcase that. So I was honored to be able to, yeah, and tap into those different things of like, oh yeah, let's do, I love house music that the African diaspora, you know, drumming, that's what I do. And so like, let's, 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 let's make it work. And I'm, we, we both been talking about how we're excited to see kind of what can come from that and other projects to work on and, and just kind of see us grow. I have a little, little short, I'm, you know, I've been in multiple projects. I have another kind of Afro Caribbean, Brazilian based percussion, heavy band called Batuki. And we've been doing a lot of stuff with rising rhythm and so we're just you know excited to see what what could happen i i love pete how you talked about drumming being in your dna as part of your childhood as part of your culture there's something that's been mentioned several times that i just i think is really interesting which is the word street either taking to the street or coming from the street or being together in the street. Can you guys talk a little bit about that? I guess I could start. I mean, from a personal, like from a personal experience, growing up, I was a very shy kid, very shy. My sisters were very outspoken and I usually would just fade into the background. And so like, um, when I found like teachers like Pedro and like Shireen, they use their voices through the drum, through music, through taking up space, through just being their authentic self. And it helped me. That's where I found my artistic expression was being out in community, out in the street. It pretty much saved my life because I was going down a pretty, you know, a road that maybe I, I shouldn't have. And being able to find teachers and creatives that were putting in the work professionally, but also getting down and dirty when we needed to really shaped who I am, my elders, and also, you know, just people who have allowed me to take up space as well. So it's very important to be able to have that inside my body, but also use that my voice and my movement and storytelling to make a change in the world and, you know, just bring awareness. I think this takes us to a really interesting segue, which is thinking of dance as a catalyst and thinking of music as a catalyst for more than just performance or routine. In your work with Rising Rhythm, you often speak out against injustice and champion unsung voices. I mean, the very existence of these styles are a protest. A lot of, you know, these are underground underground dance styles that were created as a response to the injustices happening in the world. For example, ballroom. This space, this like pageant-like competition was created with categories such as executive realness. You may never get a job as an executive, but I'm going to come here and I'm going to walk around the world and I'm going to compete like I am the executive, like what you see on the outside. This is a mentality that was taken. It's not, I, I always explain voguing and ballroom is a lifestyle. It is a direct response to the injustices these communities had to face. So it, it as in its existence alone, is a protest, is a response, is a walking form of this is who I am, this is who we are, and this is what we stand for. Like, granted, you see a lot of 
street dance styles in studios that are more choreographed. There's a lack of history and understanding in a lot of these spaces. Mm -hmm. And that is when I feel like it, 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 I feel like people look at dance and misunderstand or, or forget or just don't know the roots, the foundation and why these styles, the choreo, the studio scene that came after that came later. So actually it didn't start it. This, these styles started again as a direct response to the injustices and, and, you know, something like rising rhythm, a crew like rising rhythm continues to keep that message alive and reminds people that this is where this came from. And you don't see that everywhere. If that makes sense. It makes total sense. And I love how you articulated that as in and of itself, this, this is the root of why we do what we do. This is the root of the work, the dance work. Thank you for, thank you for articulating that. And I think that's why it's so important to have these spaces like me and Shay, you know, we felt like something was lacking being able to take that structure out and really go within and find that spirit within the dance because like Shay said like it is a protest you know all of these styles that we are doing we that relationship and conversation that we're able to have within dance music and song it's that oral tradition being passed down we from generation to generation and that's ultimately what feeds my soul and that's how I feel like I can express myself and just connect with all these people. And just to add something to that, I feel like on the dance side of what street dance means also, it is going to the club and ciphering. It is, you know, back in the day, it was you put down a piece of cardboard. You got these two rival gangs that are saying, oh, I don't want instead of fighting physically, we're going to go outside and we're going to we're going to settle this on the floor, which back then it was a cardboard floor breaking was it was outside literally in the street and the club ballroom literally in the club house dance in the club it's not just it, it, these aren't studio dances and I think that's where me and Jessica were at the same time like I went to New York because I watched myself voguing and on a choreo level I was like oh this is easy I got this because I came from a choreo background when I watched myself I'm like something is missing and it was the essence of Vogue and essence of ballroom which goes back to like I say these aren't dance styles. They're a way of life. They're a mentality. It's how you move through life. And then I went to New York and saw Shay's event that she put together with her house of Mizrahi peeps. And it was incredible. Seeing how much we've evolved within our dance journeys is just, it's so amazing. And I'm just so thankful that we're able to collaborate within our own projects that we've created now. Do you notice a, a difference between kind of the coastal dance communities in terms of style and flavor and ways of collaborating? And what 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 changes from coast to coast do you find? We have to remember that New York is the mecca of all street dance styles. You know, house, hip hop, whether it be party dance, hip hop, every element of hip hop, ballroom. Well, my house is debatable because house music started in Chicago, house dance started in New York. Um, there's a different fire out there you also see a lot of the ogs and the older generation you still see them in the club there is just it's it's really cutthroat it's really whether it be in the studio or in the streets it's very cutthroat people are very kind they're very upfront but there is no time to second guess like they're constantly pushing you and you're ultimately like coming for blood yes you leave that on the dance floor but it's way less than like a, all right, five, six, seven, eight. All right, cool. That's good. You're, you're doing great. No, it's, that was cute, but you could do a lot better. You're not showing me the essence. You're not showing me the personality. You're literally just doing choreography. They're very blunt, upfront and cutthroat 
on the East Coast because they take it they take it seriously on a different level because again that is the mecca and because a lot of these dance styles have gone mainstream and been watered down and like I say the foundation is being lost uh, or being forgotten New York goes that extra cutthroat mile to make sure you know where this is coming from and they have the commercial world out there too but again like these these people that are in the club because you go to a ballroom function, those aren't commercial dancers, maybe like 10 out of the 200. Those are just raw ballroom kids that are still living in the street. They're still homeless. They're dealing with, you know, mental health and drug addiction. Like that is, that is shit that they're trying to move through and things like ballroom and dance are helping them move through that. So here you say dance and ballroom are moving them through those, that experiences. It's a really powerful statement and, and uh, gives me the chills in a really good way. It's, It's really, yeah, just like, just like Jessica has said, like, this is something that saved her life. Like definitely across the board. I want to say that dance definitely saved people's lives. Those people that, that dances their lifestyle, not just the studio thing like that, that saved us because ultimately dance is a language within itself. And this is a language that we can express ourselves beyond just verbally. You can go to a club, start freestyling. You see another person, you're like, Oh, what's up? That's my people's right there. And have that like, non-verbal kind of spiritual exchange on the dance floor you may not know this person but it's, just, it's a vibe right that creates a sense of community you find family through those moments and so, those moments those moments of freestyle when you hear that drum like you just teleported to another world Pedro you've been in like drum circles where it's like damn the energy's so high and there's just that conversation that language is just something out of this world you know, that's something that I really, that's really strong, you know, and I feel like a lot of choreo kids and people in the studio don't really get to um, experience that because maybe their training just ends in the studio and then they go back to their regular lives. But like, this is something we live and breathe. When we're talking about like the bicoastal experience, Pedro, Shay, myself, we're three of the hardest workers that I know because we live and breathe art and dance and music and everything. And that's why I want to continue to just inspire others to do the same, that you can, you can sustain yourself doing what you love. It takes hella work, but, you know, with the right guidance, you're able to have hella fun and also get your message. Mental as well, right? Like this, for some people, it's a therapeutic thing. Like that helps them move through life. Um, and honestly, Jessica, when I saw every time I watched your solo, when the braid came out, like, right to me, I, that, that was, you were in it. Like you weren't, you weren't even there. You were just in touch with whatever ancestors, higher beings that you were like watching the drums in that part every single time. I'm like, you're just, you completely, you're blacked out right now. Like you're just completely in it. It is t- the, the drum was taking over your spirit in that moment honoring the intergenerational connection, the point of connection. And Trina, you had mentioned in New York, this accountability, basically like up front, just saying, you know, hey, what you're doing is from this this person or what you learned is from this dancer, or this artist and that that accountability. But as we all know, in the dance community, this, this accountability is being lost it's being stolen, commodified, um, you know, rewritten, especially on social media. Tell us a little bit about the work you're doing as a group with Rising Rhythm that focuses on that intergenerational connection, respecting where you come from, 
And at that same time, paving the way for this next generation of artists to survive in this ever-changing, complicated landscape. Me and Pedro, you know, we we have our um, our individual companies and we just wrapped up our first full-length production together last weekend. It was really special because, you know, we were able to to just have like a culminating event, years of, you know, collaborating with each other and each other's projects. And so we had our students from from San Francisco, Palo Alto, Los Altos, Redwood City. It was really cool for them to just meet each other and to just have the kids see what the adults do in an artistic setting. Um, I don't know if you want to speak about that a little bit, Pedro. It was a gift given to me from the higher spirit, right? That it was like, here's the drum is calling. This is going to help you kind of be set on your path. And so I've just always felt the need to just kind of pay that forward and to to at least just share the information, share the stories, um, share these styles, these traditions that I learned, you know, this desire to like, okay, I, I, I might have enough, you know, I might have enough training or I might know enough to then let me go and let me try to make some money off of this. And what do I have to do to get on the fast track, right? To, 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 to have my art be kind of seen and heard globally, right? Because I feel like that's kind of the mentality just on a, on, on a bigger level that we're kind of sucked into that. Like, yeah, how do, how are we, how do we keep it? How is it sustainable? And how do I get like the fastest results as possible? And so for me, it's really important. Yeah. To keep that old school kind of mentality of like, yo, you have to know, you have to know kind of like the real deal as as true as possible because then who's going to be the next person to kind of share that right who's because like i said it's all coming from like oral tradition i didn't have any formal training you know i went i studied with i had to travel and learn from like the source capable enough to share and give that you know back and so i think it's really important i feel like i've you know had that like build those relationships with with young folks um you know, with my elders as well, and to kind of like always have it be a conversation in a space that we're sharing with each other, bouncing, you know, bouncing those kinds of like ideas and jamming. But if you don't pass that, if you don't share that, then teaching and having the younger generation in the space with the elders and like really, because that's, that's how you kind of, that's really where the magic happens. You know, you learn from each other. And so you got to have that that multi-generational kind of space. Like I feel like when you're, you know, in any type of, of community, like it's like, you know, it's like that is that village, you know, it takes ideas and knowledge to share, to grow. So trying to always keep that a part of the, of the, of the art and the, in, you know, in the, in the professional spaces that I, that I'm, I'm, I'm that I'm in. You know, it's about that community looking out for each other. Shereen, you had mentioned a project honoring the elders that that came up on social media and was shared nationally that Jessica spearheaded about Dia de los Muertos. I'd love to hear about that project and how the work the work that went into that process together and um, and if if you're going to continue it. In Trolley Dances, they asked me in Rising Rhythm to perform. And right after the pandemic, they had a virtual one during the pandemic, and even now. They opened it up to their regular programming. And so we were so honored to be in this Charlie Dance experience. They gave me the site 
of where we were going to perform. And it was in the Castro. Um, it was, you know, in a field and it was like, okay, like we can, we can work structurally and within my work. Like I always want to go a little deeper, you know, like let's see change so much. It lost its spirit. It's just very commercial. And, and so we were here and, you know, within the intergenerational experience, it's like, you know, our youth are like finding them. They have more access to, you know, figuring out who they are and where they, how they identify. And so it was just really right for us to like connect with, you know, Vogers of the Bay and, you know, provide them a space to just kind of be free as well. And, you know, for me as well. Um, And so Dia de los Muertos is probably one of the biggest celebrations in my life uh, next to Carnival. Um, I would say it's a little higher up for me because I really connect with my ancestors and, you know, I. I do that year round. And so it's just Dia de los Muertos is something that's very important to me. And and so I definitely wanted to honor those who have passed, who paved the way for those in ballroom, but also like, you know, within the different musical musical styles that we were implementing into the show. And so that's where I, you know, just told her my concept and she was super excited about it. And then, of course, Pedro, like, with the wealth of knowledge of music and like culture and, and on a spiritual level, it was just so fitting for him to compose original music for, it's really important because without, without intention, you're just walking through the world. There has to be a bigger motive as to why we do things here. And so through that music, through the dance and the concept that we chose, I feel like we were all able to use our strengths, but also like connect to something bigger. And like I said, when she had contacted me and told me the concept, <clears throat> I was just like, yeah, going back to the dancing in the streets. When I saw the location, there will be ballroom kids hanging out in random places and you will see them voguing. All they need is a speaker. You know, you go to New York, the pier where it all started, you still see kids outside with the speaker voguing at night, pumping on the runway, having fun. So that outside element um, with the bleachers or like the, the little steps made it really cool too, because I could totally see kids coming to chill here and have a good time voguing. Yeah. And on a, on a national level, you know, just putting it on my Instagram, like a lot of people from ballroom saw the altar, they saw snippets of it and they thought it was fat. Like, again, like I've never in my years have seen a Dia de los Muertos celebration ceremony where it incorporated and celebrated the ballroom icons and also, like, like I always say, the um, this is a lifestyle, some mentality, even coming into it and working with her youth and any youth I work with, I'm constantly saying, like, envision your haters, envision your bullies. They're always, you know, haters going to hate. You're going to move through life and someone's going to knock you down. How do you walk through the show that you're not bothered by this? Mm-hmm. Even if you are bothered, even if it does hurt your feelings, you never want to show that. How do you show your confidence even in your lowest moments? Mm-hmm. When I say a lifestyle and a mentality, that's what I mean. And if there's anything I want to pass down to them and Jessica knows this too, it's literally don't just take the dance style, take the essence of what this really means and apply it to your life. Just personally, right? I feel like when it comes to dance and it comes to movement, you know, I know, you know, everybody here is, is a dancer. Maybe people listening are dance and I connect with that. But there's a lot of folks who feel like they need permission in order to move and to, and to be free in their bodies. Right. Especially if they're trying to figure out who they are in their bodies. 
And so it's just really important to remind people that you don't need permission to dance. You feel me? You just you just do it. You 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 move and and um and I think that that's just something that you know I see that in these spaces and 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 as like dancing like that's how we fight the injustice even for ourselves, right? To like I just I need to move. I need to dance and it's okay to express that. Good one. I love that. <laughs> Come on, maestro. Yes, I felt that. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the current projects you're up to, including the thrust towards a more of a bricks and mortar community center in the Excelsior district you had mentioned, Jessica. Yeah, well, I'm uh, working on a lot of new projects artistically, um, but one of our biggest projects as a company is to purchase our building in the Excelsior district of San Francisco. Um, We've been negotiating with our landlords going on four years, and um, we finally have some movement. We held a huge fundraiser in 2020, and in three days, we were able to raise at least $15,000 from our community and, and funders. And so, you know, we are a space that we want to continue to cultivate artists, but also like just have a a new fresh artistic space that's made by a a person in the community, um, not always funded by, you know, a nonprofit, but that we're able to just create together and a space to try new things. Um, I've always wanted to have a dance studio ever since I was 15, but I never really it never really resonated with me, the structure that was already there. And so within this space, I want to create a new way of collaborating within different artistic mediums. And so um, we're really hoping to receive more funding so that we're able to buy this building um, on Geneva Avenue. So any help is appreciated, any donations, contributions, or connections. Tell us a little bit about this space. It's a it's a dance studio, one or mini, or how, how's the space organized? Yeah, well, it's a two unit. Um, it is a residential and commercial. And so, you know, I started Rising Rhythm in my kitchen, um, in my small little kitchen, put up some mirrors and, you know, I wanted a space to just create and, you know, I made it happen. You know, that hustle, we just kind of make it work wherever we're at. And so this space has had, like, I would say over 150 collaborators coming in and out of this door for the past seven years. Being able to cultivate a space within my own home has been really exciting for me and, you know, fills my soul. But unfortunately, my kitchen does not fit as many people as we're teaching now. So, uh, and I want my, you know, I want my house back. I want to be able to chill, you know, for a little bit. And so within getting the space, you know, below us in the commercial space, it would be really awesome because it's such a central location. Um, There's bus and bar and there's two freeway entrances. So it is pretty And, you know, a lot of people love this vibe here. It feels like home. And I want to create a studio that can feel like my home because a lot of and so definitely like having a family element. But aside all of the amazingness that has been here, like within drum circles and just like jams and 
you know, having Pedro's group Batuki rehearse here, it just adds to like the spirit in this space and this corner on Geneva and Naples. And I want to continue to bring that here because on Geneva Avenue, there's not many, if at all, any artistic spaces. You know, there's just a lot of empty storefronts. It's pretty dead over here. And we would love to just bring some vibrancy and love, you know, back here into. So tell us about how donors, people that can give money to support your space, where can. Yeah, um, you can donate on via our fiscal sponsor, Dancers Group, um, for a tax deduction. Um, we love Dancers Group. They are always supportive of us. I just wrapped up an interview that launched on their website which was 10 and 10, like a interview question in 10 minutes. And, and they just are so supportive of learning about rising rhythm as well. It's a really good interview. You should check it out. So you can definitely donate there, come to our, show, buy our merchandise, you know, rep who we are, um, you know, and it, it really does help support funding our building. But more importantly, like if we don't receive this physical building, like these walls, the the art doesn't just like how we mentioned we we love taking our art to the streets you know because we have all that we need inside our bodies you know we have that internal rhythm and everything so we could take this anywhere the work will go on whether or not we get this building but really hope it happens because these artists and these youth like they deserve it the address yeah it's risingrhythmsf.com slash donate great and you can find different ways to donate there um, via, yeah, different online ways to donate. But Dancers Group is on there as well. Thank you. Each of you have alluded several times in the interview to the idea of spirituality through dance and a point of deeper connection. When you're, when you're practicing your dance forms or your, your music forms, at what point do you start to feel that enter, that sense of something greater than yourself? Does it take work? Is it always there? How how do each of you communicate in that greater realm and, and how can others find that? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think for me, it's, you know, to keep it real, there's sometimes there's a struggle if I feel like I'm in my head too much about, you know, my art. And so I, I think that, you know, maybe I think I, I heard somebody mention it too, but like when you, it's like that vibe or that zone that you get in, it, sometimes it just happens like naturally, organically. And it's, you know, whether you're by yourself, you know, working on a move or just little melody or, or just trying to get this, this beat down where you, it's like, you just do it, do it, you keep doing it. And then pretty soon you don't realize that you're doing it. And it's just kind of, you're just flowing through it. And it's like... I think those moments like that where you kind of tap into it spiritually or, you know, there's no, there's no specific purpose other than to just, we're just going to play music, right. Without like having mm -hmm. to have like this goal around it. And so I think it's getting back to that because I've, like I said, I've struggled with, you know, being in, in a professional artist where you're like, okay, this can be work sometimes. And I'm doing this for, you know, being, being part of a process and giving you that space to connect does open up that space to connect spiritually. Yeah. I also think, you know, I get lost in performance 
you know, after all the work and preparation and stuff, when I'm just, when I hit the stage, and I think that's why I continue to do that is performance. It's just, I get lost in it. And so that's kind of like my, yeah, that temple of just like, I don't, I'm on stage. I'm just, oh, yeah. Sense of time and space gets lost, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Hopefully not too lost, but. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, stop playing. <laughs> We're done with the set. <laughs> Is it the same for you, Jessica? Is it more, is it, is it, you know, finding that spiritual space, is it organic or is it, or is it a more intentional, like it happens at this time? I mean, Pedro had a great answer and I second that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was, I mean, you know, similar, you know, to what Pedro was talking about, like, because I am consistently using my art and I work, you know, as a professional artist, it's hard to, you know, just take some time and just jam or just improv or freestyle, you know, just for yourself. And, and so when that does happen, like beautiful things can be cultivated from it. And, um, you know, I love, I love improving. I also love like having, a platform to be able to share what I learned and created. And so being on that stage, like, is where the best moments of like, of that spiritual connection happens for me, and can write it down for me. (laughs) Um, So I just love, you know, like moving, that's how I can like life for grants by uh, singing about them or dancing about them or playing music about (laughs) rather than having to, to, to write about music or whatever yeah I hear that it's it's hard it's a really huge huge uh game changer pivot to have to have to do that yeah for sure and so like just being able to still be a performing artist even though you know I'm a director and I'm you know Pedro's similar you know we direct our companies but we also love being in the spotlight too. just that energy that we get from an audience you know um most importantly, like I'm an artist first and I just love performing. I love it so much. To be in service to others as artists is work and work that deserves not only equal pay, but sometimes above equal pay in terms of the kinds of things we've mentioned throughout this podcast, right? Like dance saves lives, music saves lives. If that's not saying enough about the type of funding that deserves. I'm not sure <laughs> what would be. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. I think it's a really crucial point. Like what we do is not easy. What, what dance artists and musicians do is not easy and it deserves, um, it deserves a lot of support, a lot of funding. Unfortunately, we're kind of nearing the end of our time together. I feel like I could talk to each of you for hours. <laughs> And I have talked to Pedro. I've talked his ear off for hours. He knows this. So um, I I ask this because I really am interested um, both from a rising rhythms perspective, but individually as artists. Um, if, if I was a magic fairy and could grant you one, just one wish for your future, the future, what would it be? Magic fairy, magic fairy. Um... Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's tough. I'm like, does that mean, um, what are the parameters here with my wish? <laughs> For real, this is a tough one. 
<laughs> can I get more wishes? You just ask for 10 more wishes. <laughs> I, I mean, I think for me, I, you know, shoot, that's a tough one. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to let Jessica answer that first if she knows already, but I'm going to just. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. One wish. That's a tough one because I could say something so superficial, like, you know, I wish to be happy, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, what can make you happy, you know? Um, um, dang, Hillary, you stumped us. Sorry. You know, the reason, I, the reason I like asking this is because I like to point to how thoughtful artists are and generous. Um, I I would say most people who are not based in arts practice might just have that quickly, like, oh, a lot of money or, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, peace in the world or whatever it is. But I think um, what I appreciate about the stumptedness of both of you is the fact that you think large creatively and generously. So we can leave it at that. Um, you guys, I cannot thank you enough for joining us today. I know Shireen had to pop off early. Um, she had some work stuff she had to get to, <laughs> which happens in the art world. So we lost one along the way, but she did say her many thanks to me. Um, and, uh, I just can't, can't thank you enough, both of you for joining us today on Museum of Dance podcast. We look forward to continued support and engagement in your work in all sincerity. And thank you so much for taking the time to share your beautiful stories with us. Thank you so much, Hillary. Thank you, Pedro. Thank you, Shireen. Love y'all. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a dope, dope crew. Thank you for having us, Hillary. Definitely enjoyed the time. Museum of Dance is a nonprofit organization. We work to preserve and contextualize the universal art of dance for the greater public through innovative exhibitions, diverse educational programs, and accessible archival collections. Explore what moves you at museumdance.org. You can sign up here for emails, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram.